This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 495. And the quote of the day is, everyone has their own lane. Maintain yours, because there's less traffic and no speed limit. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, what's going on? Nick Ruffini here, and this is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, and thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this podcast, do me a favor, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and if you're just tuning in, you haven't listened to any of these episodes before, you can find them all free on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and and anywhere that you get your podcasts, so check them out there, or you can always listen to drummersresource.com. They're all free, all, you know, almost 500 of them, so... Check them out. And they are free thanks to great sponsors. And one of the great sponsors that's been with us for a long time is Dream Symbols. And if you think that you can't get a great sounding symbol without spending a ton of money, then you are incorrect. You should check out Dream Symbols. They are an amazing group of people over there. I've been working with them for a long time. But they also make awesome, awesome symbols. I promise you, go check them out. Go to dreamsymbols.com. So let's get into this conversation. This is with Lerone Skeeter McMillan. And I, you know, I, I, Lerone and I don't know each other. So it's really cool to connect with someone and get to know them as we're having this conversation. And we immediately hit it off. And he shares a lot of, a lot of stories about how he was, how he would find one style of music and sort of dive into that one style and, and really, figure it out and then move on to the next one and, and move on to the next one and really stay true to his 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 passions and his desire as a drummer. And we have a, a wide ranging conversation. So we cover all sorts of different stuff. So I'm I'm excited to release this and I'm excited for you to listen. So let's get into it with Lerone Skeeter McMillan. Lerone, what's going on my man? What's up? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm great. I'm I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. Oh man, I can't complain at all, man. Trying to stay cool in this hot weather out here in Georgia, Atlanta. Oh, you're in Georgia? Yeah, I'm in Atlanta right now. Yep. So you get the humidity too, huh? Oh my God, too much of it. Because <laughs> like I I like living here, but that's the only thing. It's two things that kill me. Like if you have if you're a person that have allergies to any degree and you live in the south specifically georgia it's the worst possible and then the humidity yeah those two things kill me say i mean that that's the east coast man i mean i'm from i'm from from philly it's the same way it's hot and humid and allergies yeah yep 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 (laughs) but you're not originally from atlanta though right no no i'm originally from um hartford connecticut Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah, born and raised, man. So, talk to me about growing up in in Hartford, Connecticut. Wow. Who? What? What specifically on the on the the music scene? Or hey, man. What? I mean, whatever. What was your What was your childhood like? What you know? I know that I know that you grew up uh, in church and and you know playing gospel, but but then branched out and started playing jazz and all the other stuff. But but what yeah. was it like growing up for you? Like what household? You know what was going on inside your household? What What were your you know, what was being played in the house, family of musicians? Well, I can put it to you like this. My story is very similar to a lot of uh, 
drummers and musicians in my generation. You know, I'm uh, 31 years old. And for me, growing up, I definitely grew up in a, a Christian, you know, background. You know, my family's very faith-based. Um, and uh, my mom was always playing gospel music. I mean, she 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 listened to other stuff, but the root of it was always gospel. You know what I'm right, saying? That was right. just... that was just the thing so uh for me early on like i would listen to a lot of records from that my mom would play you know what i'm saying i'm like man who is that who is this drummer and i was like a big fan of like when my mom would go buy a new cd a new record new tape at the time you know i'm like man who in the credits who's the drummer who's the bass player so as you start to do that more and more often you start to remember familiar, you you know, familiar names that you see. And I'm like, man, this guy, Joel Smith, must be the greatest. Man, right. J- Jeff Davis must be the greatest. Dana Davis, you know, and for me growing up in Connecticut, I had, you know, a direct, direct relationship with, you know, somebody who's one of the greatest gospel drummers that we've ever seen, as well as you know, one of just a great musicians named Doobie Powell. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I come up from behind him. He was like my mentor, my big brother. So to be able to have him right there and then him taking me under my wing, under his wing and, you know, introducing me to like really just how to really play and be a working musician, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, so I, oh, that's kind of how my musical journey started as a young age and you know childhood living in connecticut we would go and you know you you play for different choirs and groups in the city and you know you meet different musicians and stuff like that so that's how i kind of came up man that's that's how i kind of came up you know and then like as you said before i ventured off as i you know got older in middle school into high school playing in the jazz ensembles and i'm like hey man this is it's something different about this hair, but I love it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, so I, mm-hmm. you know, I, at one point I thought I was going to be one of the dopest jazz fusion drummers there were. And then, you know, time got on and it was time for me to go to school to Berkeley. I got an opportunity to tour with Jojo and mm-hmm. that's how my career literally on the professional side really started. And it was just like, from there, it just took off, man. One thing led from, to another, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a couple yeah. things that you mentioned that I want to sort of rewind and 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 uh, and talk about a little bit. What do you think? What was it about when you were listening to when you were listening to a record at a young age? What was it about those records that made you want to dig in deeper and figure out who the drummer was and you know and and listen to it like and hear the the style that they were playing? Because you're not thinking at that age like, oh, I'm going to be a professional drummer, were you? Well, I think I kind of was, man. You know, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's like and maybe early, early on, I wasn't, you know, thinking like I am going to be a professional drummer. But I knew that there was nothing I loved more than drums. Right. You know You're what I'm saying? You just drawn like, to it for one reason oh, or another. Oh, man. It was, I, I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you the real truth. So... Yeah, don't lie. To, was, don't don't come I'm on not, here and lie to me. No, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm not gonna lie to you. And you know, for everybody that here this that truly, truly knows me, like all my close, close friends, they know I was a die-hard 
WWF fan, a yeah. wrestling fan. Yo, so literally, me and my little brother, I thought me and him both was going to to the WWF, and I thought <laughs> I was gonna be like a real. Who is your Who is your guy? Who is your uh... Yo, man? Growing up, my guy was definitely. I think really I was when my granddad was living. His favorite wrestler was Sting, uh-huh. so. I used to watch wrestling with him, you know, from a baby. So I grew up watching Sting, seeing a little bit of Jimmy Superfly Snooker. But, like, of course, Jimmy everybody, everybody's guy was Hulk Hogan. Come yeah. on now. You know, he's yeah. Hulk, I like Hulk the million dollar. Swag. I like the million dollar man and, uh, and, uh, yeah. and Macho Man Randy Savage. I was Macho Man, guys. yes. Big fans <laughs> of them, too, man. Ric Flair. But I tell you. I'm kind of. I grew up in the '90s, so my dude ultimately was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, that was my guy. That was he was do, everything, man. Do you know what? Uh, did they have? I don't know when they came out. Did they have wrestling buddies when you were a kid? Oh, they yo, they might have. They might. You, I think so. Do you know what they are? Do you remember them? I know it's like is it is it the action figures or something? They, like that? No, they were like they were stuffed animals, and they were oh they yes. were like wrestling stuffed animals, and you could get them like I had Macho Man Randy Savage, and like you know my buddy had Hulk Hogan, I think, or whatever, and you could yeah. you could like wrestle with these stuffed animals. Yo, yes, they did have. You know what? I didn't personally have them, but my little brother he used to have that Macho Man one. When you yeah. said that, that just rang a bell. I remember that thing. I mean, we beat the <laughs> snot out of that. Yeah. Oh my god. So, you know, so so I was like I said, I was a diehard wrestling fan. So as time went on, I'm like, I'm not going to no freaking WWF. Like, I'm not like this is this is not even real. You know what I'm saying? So like drumming became more and more serious. And, you know, I grew up in the inner city. You know what I'm saying? And I end up moving to a suburb to a town called Windsor, Connecticut. And Mm -hmm. um, Windsor is probably like 10, 15 minutes outside of Hartford, where I grew up. And um, way better school systems. Our, our school, we were blessed, man. We had a phenomenal, um, phenomenal, phenomenal sports. Our sports were great, but music was phenomenal as well. I mean, our gospel choir won multiple awards, show choir, concert choir, concert band, jazz ensemble, one and two. I mean, it was just so much. And it was like, it was real. And we've had a lot of successful people that have, you know, come out of our school. You know what I'm saying? So I was blessed and privileged to be one of those people. And, um, you know, man, it's just, I, I, I'm so grateful for, you know, having the teachers that I had and, you know, really pouring into me, even when I wasn't listening, believe it or not, I used to be a little knucklehead coming up <laughs> so i wouldn't i wouldn't listen to certain things but you know as time going you're like man he or she was definitely right, right. <laughs> so that advice came in handy now you know so yeah man well we don't want to we never want to accept the uh we never want to accept that that knowledge and experience and then you get older and you look back and you're like man i wish i would have Wish I would have listened to them, or or I could have been so much farther ahead if I did what they told me to do at the time, or you know whatever it is. Right. Did yeah. You, did you, when you were growing up, uh, I know that you, you know you were playing gospel music, you were listening to gospel music. Aside from aside from jazz, and when you got into jazz, what else were you listening to? A lot of hip hop, man. A lot of hip hop, R and B, and I'll say this too. You know, for me. 
like I, I, I tell a lot of guys because now living in Atlanta and seeing how it is here, you know, I never really lived anywhere else um, other than Connecticut for most of my whole life. And have you have you ever been there before? What Connecticut? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've been. I mean, I'm from the East Coast, so I've been all up there. I've toured all. Oh up yeah, there yeah, yeah. Right, you so, said you yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Right. So, with us being so, you you know how it is. Mm-hmm. New York is a hop, skip, and a jump from you. You know what I'm right. saying? For me, we were like right in between Boston and New York City. Right. So, you know, I was blessed at a very young age to be able to, you know, my mom, like I said, she's very musically inclined. We would go to concerts and see somewhere, you know. You know, the the local gospel artists in the area, like Bishop Hezekiah Walker, uh, James Hall, um, uh, go down to Philly and see like uh, Tony Moore, Jehovah's Chosen. So I would that's how I got my start being able to see some of the biggest faces in drums today, Mm -hmm. way back in the day, like Brian Fraser Moore, who was like my. He's like the sensei for me. He's <laughs> you the know, guy, so man. I love, he's the guy. That Philly, is the guy. Philly, uh, my, yeah, my, yeah. my Philly man. That's my Philly dog right there, man. That's big unk. So, you know, being able to see guys like him and Lil John Robert, and I was Lil John Roberts as a young child, you know, I and I, like, my mom, they would tell you, like, one thing about me, I don't forget nothing, at least <laughs> back then. I didn't forget anything. So I would just remember those faces. And once I, you know, I would go up to them and even try to ask a million questions, you know. So even from my home state of Connecticut, like I said, we have Doobie Powell. We have another guy named Mike Clemens, Big Mike. Mike toured with Usher. Uh, I mean, yeah, Biggie Smalls. Mike done everything. So having a direct relationship with those guys, it inspired me. I knew it was a point where I said, you know what? I want to be just like them. I want to, if they could do it, they grew up playing in church just like me. So mm-hmm. I, I got to get the sauce from them. Man, that's, I, 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 I hate to interrupt you, but that is such an important thing that you just said that you said so quickly. And I don't want anyone to miss it. The fact that you're yeah. like, if they can do this and they I grew up too. the same way I did, then mm-hmm. I can too. Like, and I think, I, I mean, just just to tell yourself that, I think that everyone needs to realize, like, if there's anyone out there who looks like you, grew up like you, you know, yes. has, it's like, is has any of the same circumstances that you did, like, if uh-huh. there's anything that anyone out there, one, all you need is one person who has, who has quote unquote made it, I hate that term, but quote unquote made it, uh, who has anything to do or anything similar to you. Then you can too. Uh-huh. I think that's yes. such an important lesson, and the fact that you realize that at a young age, I think it's super powerful. I just didn't want to skip. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh yeah, I just man. didn't want that's, to. I didn't want to skip over that. That's the thing, man. And, and now, you know, I tell a lot of my my friends and peers. Now we talk, and it's like, yo, it's even crazier now because, you know, although. I think when I got hit to YouTube, it was like definitely in high school. Like I, I would say probably like high school, like later in my high school years. It wasn't as like now, honestly, I could say I'm I'm on YouTube at least ten times a day. I don't know if that's a bad thing. <laughs> it's not just for looking up music, but I mean it'd be anything, man. I'll be going on YouTube to find new recipes to cook. I'm definitely into a lot of cooking model way too. Right. But uh 
I mean, so with now with this generation being able to have that, like I remember I was telling one of my friends the other day, I'm like, dude, remember when the freaking Dave Wackel Back to Basics DVD came out? Remember the Dennis Chambers and Tony Royster uh, Common Ground? I was like, dude, we had VHSs back in those days. And it's like those tapes was I think they were going for like 50 bucks. And like for me, when I was a kid, I'm like, yo. That was kind of expensive. I don't know. I'm going to have to wait till Christmas to get that joint. But right. it's like now you can go see countless amount, uh, countless amounts of videos and hours of some of the best drum playing from any drummer in the world, from the t- most, the worst drummer to the greatest drummer that has either been discovered or not been discovered. Right. You can find it all on YouTube. You can't. You think- so with being able to have that access, like we didn't have. Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, does that does but that? Yeah, I was just saying. I was going to say, is it a good? Is it is that a good thing or a bad? Like you can obviously the good is that you can find all this information. Is there a bad side where people are sort of just skimming? You know what? I think it really depends on probably the 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 the, the type of person you are and the type of player you are and want to be aspire to be because if you're a guy that's going to be like you know what i'm not one of these guys that's going to skim through i'm gonna really take time you know i know me i know if i'm into something i really want to live that if i know that i'm getting ready to record some funk stuff i'm gonna be listening to that i'm gonna be i'm gonna you know i'm gonna dive in head first you know what I'm saying? And then if after a while, certain things just start to become a part of you. So you know right. how to tap into that as it's needed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, man, I think I think it's a it's a good and bad thing because it's good that the information is out there, but it can be bad if you don't know how to properly use it. Right. And I think that's the thing, man. I think it's like for I think that you, you and I at our at the age that we're at, we didn't grow up with the internet, so like uh-huh. it came it came a little later. Like for me, I didn't have internet until college. So, but I think if I grew up in the internet in the internet era, and I was fourteen or fifteen or sixteen years old, and I was playing drums, or even if I was twenty five and I just started playing drums, and uh-huh. I got online and was like, okay, let me type in drums into YouTube, like I wouldn't even know where to start. Man, like where at least back in the day there was like the proving ground, right? So you're like, all right, mm-hmm. whoever's on whoever's in modern drummer is has been like the cream rose to the top and they went through the oh, gatekeepers, yeah. right? If I, a DVD is coming out, yeah, and like if a DVD's coming out or a VHS tape is coming out, then these people have gone like they've earned the respect to be able to put out a, a DVD or VHS. Now there's just everyone's online. Like how how do you even suggest that people start to figure out which direction to go man i don't know it's it's that's that's a good question man because you know it's it's so crazy because this this generation nowadays is is just just different you know and you know it like i said and like we both can agree on it was way different for us coming up so i think approaching it now if you already kind of have some drummers like i'll say I'll, I'll go do you remember that website uh drummersworld.com yeah yeah of course i when i discovered that and i don't i can't even remember how i discovered it but i just 
when I discovered it, I used to be in school and like computer lab going on different DW websites, Pearl's websites, looking at different drummers and their setups, you know, uh, all this stuff. And, you know, just Google and, you know, letting it bring me to different drum pages. But when I found Drummer's World, that site had a list of almost every name of every drummer you could think of. And you could click their name and it would blink, bring you to a link of all it like their videos, their most popular videos. So from that, that's what opened up the gate for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember specifically, like, seeing names as old as drummers like Big Sid Catlett. And I bet right. you the average drummer today can't even tell me who that is. Mm-hmm. Like, like, so you can go anywhere from Chick Webb to Sid Catlett to drummers like Ari Honig to Greg Hutchinson to Gerald Haywood, Aaron Spears. You know what I'm saying? Omar Hakeem, Nishan Store. I mean, you you name it. Everybody was there. And they had something, you know, that showcased those drummers. And then I think, like, when I discovered YouTube, you know, it was just like, okay, this is a site where I can find any video. Any mm-hmm. video. You right. know? So I would say today, man, if if you already have drummers that you're into, you know, and the good thing about YouTube, you know, once you're watching whatever video you're watching, you know, there's links to other stuff that could be related to what you're watching. And you might find somebody else that you had never heard before. But, but you're like, man, I'm really digging their stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. So I, I would kind of go out of that way. I think that's I think that's good advice, man. Uh, I remember talking to Dom Famolaro, and and I I asked him sort of the I, I guess I, I posed the question differently, but I was like, how would you suggest that people really study one drummer? And he was like, find a drummer, whoever it is, if it's if it's uh, Calvin Rogers or if it's Brian Fraser Moore or if it's if it's Steve Gadd, whoever it is, and he was like, download or buy five full records that they played on and listen to all five of those records, like, you know, back to back to back to back and just listen to them over and over and over again. And you'll really start to understand their vocabulary. You'll really start to understand their approach. You'll really start to understand like what makes them unique as a player. And you'll you'll just have a better understanding of them and then find another drummer and download five records of them. And so like, I thought that I thought that was good advice too. And that's and that's the that was the good thing about, you know, gospel music. You know, for me growing up, you would hear Calvin Rogers on like three to five of the top charting gospel records at one time. And they all sound completely different. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but you can still identify, oh yeah, that's definitely Calvin playing. Right. Or that's definitely Calvin Napper playing, you know what I'm saying? Or Jeremy Haynes, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, for me, even now to this day, you can you can blindfold me or whatever. I can hear Calvin sound without without even being sure if that's him or not. I, if I hear him playing, that's definitely Calvin because I've really studied his style. It was so, it was so like, it was so new and refreshing when I heard it. You know what I'm saying? But you right. can hear his influences in his playing, you know, and mm-hmm. I want to say this as well. I got this advice from one of my big brothers and a, a mentor to me. His name is Billy Powell. He told me something years ago that kind of stuck with me. I had never heard this before was to simply be 
inspired by many, but influenced by few. Because mm -hmm. you can be, me and you can be out right now having some wings and a beer somewhere, and we see a kid. Oh, well, now nah, we wouldn't see a kid where we're having wings and beer at. But, uh, <laughs> he's drinking root beer. <laughs> he's drinking root beer, whatever. So, <laughs> but, you know, we can see a kid in there and he's he's banging with two straws at the table. Like, man, just like grooving, you know, in his own little world with his imaginary drum set. And he's like, man, that just really inspired the hell out of me. Like this yeah. kid, his energy and his, you know, his heart and passion for drums and music is so inspiring. but. No, a kid shouldn't be able to influence you. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of say that about everybody shouldn't influence you. You know what I'm saying? You should have, you know, a certain amount of influences. It's like, hey, my guys, you know, are these five core guys that really, really influenced me, that really struck a nerve with me. and It just stuck. So mm -hmm. these are my absolute favorites. But I'm inspired by everybody out there because it's, so many incredible drummers. I mean, I'm 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 not I'm like super gender neutral because there's some amazing and incredible female drummers out there and, and female musicians, period, out there. So, you know, it's like, you know, everybody inspires me for real. Yeah. You know, in one way or another, but I'm only influenced by certain people. Mm -hmm. You know, so I kind of take that. I felt that that was a great piece of advice that just kind of just stuck with me that is through the years, man. Yeah, because, you know, I know I have my guys that are just like everything for me. They can basically like do no wrong. Right. You know, yeah, man, that's that. How does, for you, how does inspiration translate to the kit? Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like when you go out, if you get inspired by a kid hitting some spoons or you're, you're out in nature and you're and you're just just inspired by the by the idea how does that do you think of that like cognitively do you think about how that's translating into your playing like are you do you draw on that when you're when you're creating i would say nowadays you know un unfortunately i don't get to practice as much as i used to now being you know a full-fledged husband and you know dad but um i know like before growing up like when I would hear stuff or stuff that inspired me, I would want to go sit down immediately. Like, okay, I'm ready to go play some drums. Like I need to, I need to translate my only way of translating, you know, all this energy and inspiration that I have, I need to sit down and try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I just let it come to me. I'm a very organic and natural person. I try to play what I feel. I'm all about feel. You know what I'm saying? I just play from my heart and let that, you know, let that take its course, you know, and obviously you do need to rehearse and be prepared, you know, sure. so that that's a different thing, especially depending on what you're doing, what you're playing. But, you know, for me, you know, I would just go sit down and just play. Like the other day um, I was at a friend of mine's studio and we was working on some stuff. And then we was like, we took a, a little YouTube moment where we were, you know, YouTube and a couple of guys that we know. And I was like, yo, oh my God. Like my boy, Sean Wright, who's a, a phenomenal drummer, phenomenal drummer. I love Sean. And I was watching one of his videos and I was like, yo, this dude is wearing me out right now. But he, <laughs> it was like, he, 
it was so inspirational, man. It 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 it, it was so inspirational. It made me, I was like, yo, I'm ready to play. I'm That's ready what to play. I, like I feel that way about Nate now. Smith. I feel that way about Nate Smith all the time. I'm like, can he just like retire so to give yeah. the rest of us a chance? Yo, Nate is phenomenal. <laughs> Nate, I remember my first encounter with Nate Smith. I was in high school, my sophomore year, and we went to UNH. Uh, University mm-hmm. of New Hampshire to their high school jazz festival. He was there playing with uh, the Dave Holland big band, and he changed my life. How I couldn't so? believe it. He, it just the way how much heart and passion he played with. It's like you felt everything he did. And we had earlier that day before their performance at at night. He um, did with all the drummers. He did. He taught a, ta- a class. So in his workshop, man, it was just amazing to like pick his brain. So and then seeing him perform, I was like, yo, he is crazy. He's out of yeah. here. Yeah, he's yep. definitely got and he's got his own his own thing going, man. It's it's just like I no I, nobody I know sounds like Nate. Nobody, you know, like, man. He's just he's his own he's his own thing, man. Dude an animal. So yep. you would talk to before you were talking about growing up uh growing up listening to hip hop. I like to jump around a lot. So uh you were talking about growing up listening to hip hop and then and then changing getting into jazz and did and did you get any sort of like pushback or flack from your friends and your and the people who you were hanging out with? And the reason why I asked, like I grew up I same thing, like I grew up in a city, it's called Coatesville and and grew up mm-hmm. listening to hip hop and and I got into I got turned on to like and initially I got turned on to like the jam band scene, which was like fish and, you know, the great oh, yeah. Dead and all that stuff. But then it got me into everything else. That's who, that's where I learned about the meters. And that's where I learned about, yeah. you know, I started to learn about funk and then got into jazz and all that kind of stuff. But in the beginning, I, all my friends like gave me shit because I grew up, I loved hip hop. I mean, I still love hip hop, but they would have on Tupac and I'd be like, Oh, we should put this like, fish song on and they'd be like get that out of here we don't know i wants to listen to that you know and i'm like i'm like have you guys listened to this miles davis record and they're like we don't want to hear that did you get any of that that pushback from from your friends or like any flack yeah so you know kind of with that you know my friends just automatically just knew that i had something different something special because you know i used to try to do certain things that they were doing and you know being inquisitive young kids young boys coming up you know, you're trying to get into different stuff and certain stuff that they could get away with, I couldn't. So I knew it was something, and some of them knew it was something different about me too. Even down to simplest, like I got on the football team because all my friends did. You know, some of my right. closest friends, they were, they were incredible mm-hmm. with sports. But sports wasn't really my thing. I was always loved watching basketball, but I'm probably the worst basketball player that anybody knows like i got a pretty cool three but that's about it so i'm sure people that don't be watching it's like yeah he definitely sucks in basketball but it's like i knew that it was like you know i gotta focus on my thing and that being music and drums like that's that's what i'm great at so i think my friends kind of just respected me for me being who i was and you know doing what i did so even down to you know stuff I listened to, they just respected it because they're like, "Hey man, that's that's a part of him. That's mm-hmm. what he that's what he learns and he gleans from." So that makes sense. I forget who I was talking to. I forget who I was talking to before, and they were saying sort of the same thing where you know they were 
they were younger and they sort of like got a pass because they were mm-hmm. like, oh, that's just what that's his thing because everyone knows he's going to be, you know, he's going to be the a, a, a drummer, you know. Yeah. Or, or not not that he's going to be a drummer, but he's going to be a professional drummer. And, you know, that's uh, that's what he he's he's a drummer now and he's on his way to something bigger. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So what were what were some of the steps that you took uh, to to get your career really moving? I know that you said JoJo in the beginning was sort of like your big break or or your big gig. And coincidentally, when when I first heard that you that you played with JoJo, I was thinking like Casey and JoJo from Jodeci. <laughs> man, and you'd I, be surprised how many times I, I've heard that. <laughs> but I was like, I mean, playing with JoJo is cool, right? Obviously, yeah. and, but I was like. Why did he play with JoJo from Casey? Like Casey and JoJo? I was like, good for him. <laughs> I, don't know, I just I grew up with Jodeci, so I was like, that's dope. But I mean, yeah. but uh, so but you were saying JoJo was your was like your big sort of like your big break, right? Your big your big God, first yeah, gig was, at the at the time that was like the biggest thing I've ever did. Like when we started with her, um, like actually my first show with her, the first real show with her was a TV show. It was Miss Miss uh, Teen America pageant, and it was on live, and I'm like, wow. So actually, you know, that actually was my first appearance with her, but we actually didn't really play that show. We minded. So when we were rehearsing for like two weeks, uh, we end up, like the last week, I remember, we ended up cutting like a show track for it, and we just, you know, we mined to our performance. So for me, I'm like, wow. Literally a month and a half ago, I was literally in like this freaking crazy algebra class that I hated. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to pass high school. Like, right. I just was so worried and stressed out about school. And now, like in this one weekend, I did Miss America pageant. I did uh, AOL sessions and Jay Leno. All wow. within like five days. And I'm like, yo, I'm only like 18 years old. This is crazy. Like, you know, and all of my friends from school that, you know, I, of course, I, you know, I'm fresh out of high school. So I'm in communications with all my friends. And they're like, yo, I just saw you on TV. This is crazy. Like, so everybody instantly thinks I'm like a celebrity and I'm rich. I'm like, first of all, I'm definitely not rich. Number two, I'm definitely not no celebrity. Like, I'm right. just... <laughs> I'm just doing my thing, you know, I'm just, I'm doing what I always wanted to do. So, you know, from that, you know, it's almost like you do one job, you do well on that, you get referred for, you know, referred to others, other opportunities, you know, other music directors and, you know, different things, man, you know, so it just, one thing led to another. And, you know, I just... I just wanted to be, I always will hear Aaron Spears say something, you know, earlier on when I met him, I met him, you know, even before he was playing with Usher, like, Mm -hmm. you know, back in the day. And Aaron would always say, like, you want to play to where you're undeniable, where they can't deny you. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I just kind of took, I kind of took on that, that, that trait because it's like, you know, that's what, at least earlier on, because I'm like, I wanted people to hear me, you know what I'm saying? And, Mm -hmm. you know, as I matured, I'm like, you know, it's not just about just me playing in the band and what I think should, should be played. It's about playing what the gig requires and what they need. 
that's where that's where the true working drummer and professional comes in, you know, and that's what I felt that always separated guys like Teddy Campbell, Nishan Gordon, guys like the, you know, you know, all these other Brian, Little John. That's what separated them. Though that's what made them the guys that always got those big calls. To be clear, you know, being undeniable, don't think just being a phenom to where it's like, oh man, his chops are just, oh my God. When he plays over the bar, it's just no. You can be undeniable and be a guy like Steve Jordan is undeniable to me. And he doesn't have basically any chops. But his feel is undeniable. He's incredible. He's one of the greatest drummers I've ever heard in my life. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's And look like, how often he gets hired. <laughs> exactly. And look at what he gets hired for and the price that they pay for him. Because yep. he's that undeniable. You mm-hmm. know, so it's so many things that go hand in hand, man. So many things. So, you know, to get that to get to the place where you're undeniable. And I I'm still working on it daily. Daily. I'm to me, I feel like I'm I'm nowhere near my end goal, but I'm working on it. We, we work on things daily. Have you seen the new Promark Select Balance? So Select Balance gives the drummers the ability to fine-tune a standard stick model to fit their playing style. Let me give an example. If you play rock or country or metal, then you can use the Promark Forward Balance. It gives you enhanced power and speed. But if you play jazz and funk and gospel, then you can use the rebound balance and it gives you rear weighted balance to give you better finesse and more agility. The best part is they're made by Promark. They control the entire process from the forest to the finished drumstick, which means you get unmatched level of quality and consistency. Plus, they're always paired by weight and by pitch. So you know that there is zero guesswork when you're grabbing that stick out of your bag. Check them out by going to Promark.com. I've been checking out the new Sonar SQ-1 kits, and they are sick. You know who else thinks they're sick? Chris Coleman. I'll let him take it from here. When I hear something inside of me, I have to get it out. I have to get the sound that's within me out. Whatever I'm feeling in the moment, I go for it. And I may create something fresh and new for me. Something I may change about it, something I may not. I'm just going with the flow. Sonar's done it. SQ1, my Sonar drummer. Check them out. You'll dig them. How do you find, and I don't know if, if you uh, if you run into this at all, but like, how do you how do you balance the the facility versus like the feel and the groove, right? Because I think a lot of people like get the get the chops figured out, can't figure out the groove, or get the groove figured out and can't figure out the chops. But I I feel like you need you need facility, you need to be able to express yourself. So how are you how are you blending those two? First, I like to learn the music for what it is. You know, you know, when you're playing, you get hired for certain gigs or you get hired to do, you know, called in for certain sessions and stuff. So you, you look at what 
the music is, which what your task is ahead of you. And I just like try to dissect it like, okay, let me learn the parts first. Let me learn the kick patterns. Let me learn where the snares or hi hats may drop out or you know what I'm saying? Let me get the format and the shell of this thing down. And then after that, that's when I'm gonna add the sauce. You don't wanna start, you know, adding sauce, you know, to make it it's like if you make the spaghetti, you definitely wanna brown your meat first. You know what I'm saying? Before you just dump the sauce in there, you don't, you know, so it's the same thing with this. It's like you gotta get the meat and potatoes down before you start expecting that you're gonna eat. You know, so that's that's how I that's how I, that's literally my method, man. And like I just put everything else down. I feel like that's just added. It's just added extraness to it. You know what right. I'm saying? Because once you learn the music and you're comfortable, I feel like that through that comfortability, so much more expressions can come out of that. You start hearing differently because now mm -hmm. you're comfortable. At least that is that's I know. A couple of other musicians that can relate to that can relate to me in that aspect as well, you know. Yeah. But because think about it, that's kind of stupid to learn music and you like, yo, I'm gonna learn music and put all my favorite chops in the music first. It's like, uh, nah, that might yeah, be the right, quickest right. way to get fired, quickest plane ticket back to the house. So you know, that's 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 definitely not the way to do it. Right. <laughs> I agree, man. I agree. And that, I mean, I, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, so I'm people, sure people are like, oh, here we go. But I think that it's sort of like watching, if you watch people play drums on Instagram and they're playing all this chops, like it catches your attention and you're like, oh, oh yeah. shit, that's pretty amazing, right? And it's like, it's like watching an at like a football player throw a football ninety yards. You're like, wow, that's that's amazing. That's, and it's amazing, yeah, sure. So I think when we we naturally we sit down behind the kit and we're like, I want to I want to play all that stuff, you know. And then yeah. someone puts up a video of them playing some groove, and people are like, eh, you know. Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So it's I think not it's like that intriguing, right? But it's harder. It's harder than it looks. It is, but you know what's crazy? I don't, I, I, it might be a generational thing, man, because I don't feel that way. Like for me, when I, it, I'm, I can, I may enjoy and like the video better when I see the guy that's playing less. Oh, because dude, I'm, when he's playing, I'm there. When he's playing less, he, he's actually playing so much more. You know, yep. especially guys that, you know, play with a lot of space and, you know, like, I listen like, Will Kennedy, man, he, like, Will Kennedy, to me, can do no wrong, mm -hmm. literally. Like, every time, he's another drummer, like I said earlier on, on here, that's like, I can spot out his playing right. immediately, in his chambers, immediately. Aaron Spears, immediately. Doobie Powell, immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, these guys, I could just, I just, because I, I spent time really, dissecting their plan that they were like my absolute favorites you know so yep. um you know when I, I when i hear will kennedy play man it's just like it's 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 just like he's saying so much like the picture he's it's, he's like a painter you know he's he's like a painter you know so i i i go for the I, that that does it for me you know but trust and believe there's some stuff that 
you know, the younger generation that's coming up today that they're playing, I'll be like, whoa, how did you pull that off? And then when you get the drummer of this generation, this today's generation that gets what's going on now and gets what's what's went on before his time. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got to now you got a whole nother beast on your hands. And, and there's a few drummers that got that. Yeah, that got that specifically. I don't know if you know, but it's these. It's a young guy coming up uh, that I just met this year, earlier this year. His name is Lacey Comer. That no, young not boy familiar. is he's from Lacey's from Indianapolis, Indiana. He is a problem already, <laughs> and I believe Lacey may be like nineteen. He might be nineteen. Really? For sure. When I met him, he was eighteen. For sure. But that boy played with so much heart. I mean, he, he can chop, but he also understands how to play music. So every time I hear him, he's an instant winner for me. Another one, uh, one of my little bros, his name is Shawan Andrews from New York. Shawan is incredible. I love Shawan. And I think another thing that makes Shawan so great is he is a, a producer as well. He's an up-and-coming mm-hmm. producer and he's he's phenomenal. So he hears music differently when he plays drums, right. which is great. But yeah, I, I, I love him, man. Those two guys, for me right now, they do it. Another cat, Josiah. Josiah from Chicago. Josiah Maddox. Nuts. He's out of here. <laughs> crazy, man. It's always interesting to hear how producers slash songwriters slash people who play other instruments, how they play drums versus, you know, us mere mortals who just play drums, <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. Like I, I'm a producer. Um, I producing came a little later you know, I was always playing drums first, but producing production, that passion came later. I'm a late bloomer when it comes to that, but by really, I think I must've always had it because it's like, I just didn't know the technicalities of how to technically produce a record or how to, you know, go in the studio and record. And then it's like when I learned, it was like, oh, this is easy. I can do this because it's like putting all the ideas that you have in your head down and to make it all make sense. But mm-hmm. music, every musician, super talented musician can't do that. Some of them have a very hard time making music that still them but still good enough for the average person to digest. Some people can't, a lot, the average person can't digest super, super fast playing and super over the top stuff, a bunch of notes. They don't get that. They can't get that. You know, they can't get the complex music like that. I mean, there's a Mm -hmm. market for that. You know, if you want to be a solo guy where you go to shows and play, you know, 175 miles per hour and you know so there's a lane for that you know but i you know for me a lot of people know me for being able to have a lot of speed and it just came natural for me i don't know why you know my mom used to say man you always got ants in your pants you know how <laughs> parents say stuff like that and it's like i used to i translated some of that into my drum playing <laughs> you know what i'm saying and kind right. of figuring it out from there but, you know, as I get older, you know, a lot of people are like, man, I want to hear you 
you know, go in, man, chop. I'm like, yo, I, I don't even want to. I'm not there no more. It's like I still have it, you know, and I still, I love that stuff. But as you mature, you know, as a, as, as a musician and, you know, you, that that production and producer thinking cap becomes a little tighter. It's like you you just, you do what matters and what really accounts and, you know, just be as effective as possible. You know, it's it's kind of pointless for me to try to still prove that I have all these crazy chops because it's like, what gig is that going to really get me to? Really? What, right. what, 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 what is that going to get me to? Why are we so obsessed with speed? I don't know. I don't, I think it could be possibly like the thrill of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like people are right. so thrilled when they see somebody doing something that's so complex. They feel it's so complex to play so fast. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it's, it's impressive, but like it's super for the drummers in the audience. Yeah. For the drummer. But even, even still, like, I know people that have gone to see like different drummers that play really, really fast. Like I think my bro Mike Mitchell is definitely I've known Mike for a long time. And Mike has always had something special about him. But now he's like a phenomenon. He's out of him. And you cannot know anything about music at all. But when you see that boy play some drums, you're gonna be like, yo. He's that's LeBron James on drums. That, right. Like he's he's crazy. You know, Sharik Tucker, like another one. That's like guys that can play like that. That's that's crazy. You know, so it, it that that will thrill somebody that doesn't even if you're just at a concert and, you know, you may just like Stanley Clark. You know what I'm saying? You know, some of his records, but, you know, you got tickets to go to his show. You know, you don't know a whole bunch of jazz standard charts or whatever. You're not that deep into it. But when you go to that concert and you watch that drummer on stage playing with him, you're going to be like, yo, I know that there is something about him. He is incredible. So, you know, that, like I said, there's definitely a lane in the market for that, you know, but it's, you know, it's special cases for everything. What do you, and I, everything you just said, I agree with. And I have a question a follow-up question to that when when people say well i'm a i'm an artist and i want to have artistic creativity and i want to have you know i don't i don't want my art artistry to be to be you know snuffed out and i don't want to just sit behind some artist and just like play time all night because that's boring to me and that's not you know that's not artistic expression for me well you know that's a tough one for me because like I said, my upbringing was different. I just always knew that, you know, being a drummer, you're you're the you're the timekeeper, you're the gatekeeper of this thing. You you and the bass player, y'all lock this thing up. You know, so everybody else in the band, they gotta fall in line with us. So right. I don't know, like having grown up the way that I have, and I just kinda always knew that. I just wanted to play my part, but in through playing my part, people could see something special that I have, you know what I'm saying? That somebody else may not have, you know what I'm saying? So I never was the guy that was that really mind playing in a band and, you know, being a band member versus like, nah, it's all about me. I don't want to, I don't want to be the guy that just keeps time. I don't, you know, 
I don't mind keeping time, but you know, there's a place, a time and a place for everything. You know, you can be a drummer that, you know, you tour, you know, throughout the year with various artists or with one consistent artist. And, you know, you're the timekeeper in that band. You give them, say it's a pop artist and they want you to, you know, play the records for what it is, but they want you to be very enthusiastic, have so much enthusiasm on stage. You give them that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's limitations. But in your spare time, if you got your own side projects, you can be whoever you want to be. You can be That's like, what I was going to say. Is, Start your own band. You can do it. Start your own do. band, and then let that be able and use the platform that you have. You know, basically, basically off of everybody knowing you off of your work and the, the people that you play for. You know what I'm saying? Let that. You know, let that be your launching pad mm-hmm. to be able to do your own thing. Yep. But you can't just go from nothing and expect to go to the big leagues. Oh, this is. I want to be all about. It's just all about me. Unless your plan is just all that, you know, all that you're doing is just completely undeniable. And like you, you get those, those cases every now and then, you know, but. You know, the interesting thing is that we, we, I'll just put myself in this too, because I don't want to like point fingers. We as drummers sit around and we're like, all right, we're just going to wait for the phone call to ring or for the phone to ring. Because people are going to hire us as hired guns. So, like, you can't have it both ways. You can't be like, oh, I want to, I'm an artist and I want to go out and do my, and have all this artistic expression and play all the stuff that I want to do, but then not go out and start your own band and go do it and just wait for something. No one's going to call you and be like, hey, man, uh, do you want to play? I put all this work in to book this gig. Do you want to, like, come onto this gig and blow all the shit that you've been practicing yeah. in the in the studio you know what i mean they're gonna be like no yeah i booked the gig you're gonna come and play the stuff that i want you to play correct can't have it both ways you know yeah, you can't expect it's, it's, people it's, it's, to be out there hustling gigs for you and then them not to be able to tell you what to play right exactly yeah that's yeah man it's tough yeah well i it's think tough. that i think that's why you see so many people you know they have side projects and they want to put out their own music and then they have other stuff where they're playing with artists or they're getting hired to do a job, you know? I don't think there's anything yep. wrong with that. Right. It, that's why I, I respect all that. I, mm-hmm. I respect it all. You know, if you're doing what you love to do and you're happy doing it, I'm thrilled about it. Yeah. That's hey, simple, simple as that. It all comes down to happiness, my man. Oh, man. That inner, that inner peace. Yep. That's, That's the it. real bag. <laughs> That's the real bag right there. That's it. So who are you? Uh, who, it, are, who are you out with now? Where can people catch you on the road? Well, I actually just finished up um, back last year in September. I started doing this project called uh, For You Celebration of Prince, mm-hmm. and um, this company as well as uh, Prince's estate got together uh, with Questlove. Questlove curated the show. And it's basically, it's not a Prince tribute band. It's not that. It's a symphonic celebration of all of Prince's music. So it's like a big symphony orchestra playing all of Prince's hits behind a, you know, a pretty decent production, a bunch of like unreleased music and unreleased video footage that they play throughout the night while we're playing the show. And um, I, I'm the drummer for that. So I've been doing that. We've uh, did... Uh, two tours in the States as well as um, 
a tour in Europe, and we got some more stuff coming up um, in the future. And I've also been, you know, doing a lot of studio stuff, you know, playing on records as well as producing some small projects. Um, uh, playing locally around town, I definitely still play around town when I get the chance. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, gotta always keep it going, keep it moving. So, you know, and just many different things. I got something that really serious that I'm working on right now. I can't really say, but uh, keep up with me and keep up with me, man. And there's some good stuff coming, man. Nice. Keep some really good good stuff coming, man. What's some the best way? That- Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say some really good stuff for not only just myself, but for I'm working on something for us musicians and creatives in the, the in the in the the live realm of you know doing this music thing man and i'm really excited about it so keep up with me on my uh instagram page there's going to be some information about that coming in the near future and uh yeah man keep up with me on social media that's what i was going to ask you where's the best place for people to to follow you and kind of keep an eye on what you got going on instagram instagram and facebook I don't have, I actually don't have Twitter. I feel bad. I probably should have Twitter. But you I don't. shouldn't feel bad. I'm trying to get rid of social media accounts and not get more. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my most, my two frequents are Facebook and um, Instagram. Cool. Well, Larone, I appreciate you, uh, you know, taking all the time to chat, working through the technical difficulties like we tend to have here on the podcast. And oh, uh, I also. Good. I I appreciate you sharing all the all the knowledge, your your candor and just openness to to talk about all these topics, I think is is great and helps a lot of people. So I appreciate you for that. And uh just keep doing what you're doing, man. We we appreciate you here in the drumming community. Oh man, I thank you, man. I thanks for thank you for the opportunity. Um it's been fun, you know, through all the technical difficulties. <laughs> it's great to be here and uh on the podcast, you know, all a lot of my peers and some of my favorites have been on this show so i'm just honored to have been considered man thank you so much well it's been my pleasure of course and looking forward to chatting again soon thank you absolutely soon soon and very soon brother
There you have it, my man Larone Skeeter McMillan. And be sure you are following Drummer's Resource on Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you're on the mailing list. We're giving away a ton of prizes for the 500th episode. That is coming right around the corner, like two weeks or a week, something like that. So uh, be sure that you are following along in all of those spots. And for show notes to this episode in particular, you can go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 495. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I will be talking to you soon. Peace.